from the book of Exodus. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, we are continuing our series out of the book of Exodus today. We've been doing this pretty much the past couple of months, and I hope you're beginning to see uh, a, a pattern developing here, uh, that these really, all of these texts, these narratives, I call them stories, but they're true stories of real people that... In fact, all of these narratives, these stories are case studies where the characters are you and God. I mean, yeah, of course, the the people in the story are Joseph and his brothers and Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron and the ever-present Israelites with their wine-o-matics finely tuned. Uh, But the real gold here, the real pastoral takeaway in all of these stories and all of these narratives is how can we apply the dynamics of what's going on in the story to our own lives? How does God work on them and us? How are we just like these people in the story and how does God react to us when we act that way? Last week we talked about the idea last week, of that growth is not linear, right? That we go up, you know, the world, our culture likes to think that we just go, we're always shooting for the stars, right? Swinging for the fence. That life is always this upward trajectory. And we all know that's not true. Experientially, life is like this, right? It's like a, it's a one step forward, two steps back, sometimes three steps back. You get the idea. And the Bible doesn't pull any punches. It gives it to us straight. Here's how the world works. Here's how you work and how God responds. So here's the question for today. How does God use, how how does God allow our suffering in, in, in our lives to increase our trust in him? Because we are just like the Jews in the text this morning, wandering about in the wilderness. You'll see. What can we learn about ourselves by the way that they respond to their own struggles? And more importantly, and this is the key, what can we learn about a God who hears their grumbling and ours and answers our prayers? So three points for today. Three points that all start with the letter G. You know how long that took? I'm kidding. Three points that start with the letter G. I want to look at the grumbling of the people, the grievance of the people, and the invitation to gratitude of God. The grumble, the grievance, and the gratitude. So first thing, let's kind of do a little background on our text. We find ourselves today, once again, the Israelites are in the wilderness. They spend a lot of time in the wilderness. The wilderness, this idea of the wilderness is a recurring uh, place in Scripture. Jesus, when he's baptized, immediately goes into the wilderness. What does that even mean? Well, modern people, you and I, we tend to think of the wilderness as uh, a beautiful place, right? Where we go and look at waterfalls and prairie dogs and the wide open skies, right? I spent 10 days in Iceland about five, six years ago with me, another priest, a uh, real estate developer from Manhattan, and a professor of of history from Montreat College. We had, couldn't be a more diverse group of people, but we had an amazing time. But one thing I'll tell you, and if you've ever been to Iceland, it's a pretty weird place. It's very rocky. There's volcanoes. It's cold. There's geysers. They have gnomes there. They think they do. Anyway, that's another whole story. 
they, no, never mind. Um, but they thought, the one thing, you know, I remember driving through, we came down a hill once, and this, this storm just came out of nowhere, this snow everywhere. And I thought to myself, you know, if we slid off the road or if our battery died, uh, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd be done for. And this is kind of the idea here today, that the wilderness, whenever you hear the word wilderness in the Bible, it doesn't mean a place of beauty, it means a place of danger. The wilderness in the Jewish mind is a place of danger. It's unsettled. Bad things happen in the wilderness, where the wild things are. Remember that book when you were a kid? The wilderness, biblically speaking, listen, is where you, listen, you are on your own. And think of a time in your own life when you were on your own, right? When you faced a threat, you didn't know how to solve it, and maybe you couldn't solve it. Think of a place in your own life, maybe you're even there now, I don't know. If you're not, you will be. Well, you were on your own, and life was terrifying. This is the idea, this is the, this is the backdrop of the story we hear today. That for the Jews, the, the idea of the wilderness is terrifying. No food, no shelter, no security. That's where the Hebrews find themselves exposed and helpless and on their own, with no way out. So what do they do? Just what you do. Point one, they grumble. And I do it too. I'm not saying here with a pointed finger. You know, by my count, you can go back and look at it if you got time, once I'm done with the sermon. Go back and count the number of times the word grumble appears. I counted nine times in 15 verses. Nine times. I've got a house with three kids. That's still a lot of grumbling, right? And the Hebrew word for grumble, what does that, what does that even mean? It's a, it's a Hebrew word. It means like to, this is important. It means like to murmur. It means like, uh, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a standing up to authority and, you know, demanding justice. No, no. This idea of grumbling is, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, it's an undertone. It's where you meet the guys at the office or the women at the office or your buddies you're playing golf with and you just want to kind of, hey, remember, have you heard about this? It's that kind of thing. It's murmuring. It's under, it's sub rosa, right? It's under the cover. Moses and Aaron don't know what's going on. It's not even a brave assertion of a complaint or an injustice. It's just plain old garden variety gossip. It's murmuring. It's undertow. It's complaint where the person you're complaining about has no idea. Kind of like gossip. It's co- toxic. It's cowardly. And it all, if you notice on one thing which is fascinating to me, if you go back and, and I'll read it, they're gossip, they're murmuring, they're grumbling. It all focuses around the way things used to be, the good old days. Listen to it again. And, and look at how stupid this is when they say it. Would that we had died in the hand, at, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt where we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. I got news for you, right? Um, Meat pots and eating bread to the full in slavery in Egypt, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) That didn't happen at all. They were slaves in Egypt. They didn't eat steak every day. They didn't get all the bread they could eat. There were no meat pots. There were no, no bread to the full. And this is my point. It's human nature that when we're scared, when we, are, when we are in a situation we cannot control, when we are confronted by a situation we are, where we are on our own, listen, we romanticize the past. When we're in the wilderness, 
We grumble, we murmur, we gossip, we complain, we, comp we romanticize the good old days. Even when we all know the good old days, if you think about it, really weren't all that good. But at least they're familiar. Gossip, it's toxic. Did you ever notice something? I mean, we all do this to a degree. It's not good. But did you ever notice that gossip never actually solves the problem? It doesn't actually do anything good at all. Gossip, murmuring is toxic. And not only is it toxic and sowing discord, it's ineffective. It doesn't actually solve the problem. The Hebrews murmur against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron don't know. They don't actually have the guts to tell Moses and Aaron what they think until later. Now, that would take courage. No, no, no. Better yet, let's just complain and send emails and text messages and, and that sort of thing, right? Here's a, here's a challenge. This might sting, but I want to challenge you on this. Are you a murmurer? Well, how do you know? Simple. Well, does the person you're complaining about know what you're complaining about? Does the person that's upsetting you know that you're upset? If they don't know, then friends, you are a murmurer. We all do it. And, what, and the point I want you to see here is just to be a straight shooter. Jesus says this. I was going to preach on this a couple weeks ago and it came up in the lectionary, maybe next year. Matthew 18, Jesus tells us how to handle the problem. He says, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. In other words, if you've got a complaint, go give it to the person or keep it to yourself. So the Hebrews, they grumble, they murmur, they gossip, they complain. That's the first one. And the second point, my second point is they have a grievance. You probably never thought about this before, but what exactly is a grievance? It's actually a critically important detail. What is a grievance? Well, a grievance is where you don't get, listen, a grievance is where you don't get what you think you deserve. A grievance is where you don't get what you think you deserve. Now, sometimes we don't get what we, th we deserve, and there's nothing wrong with that. My wife, Kathy, had, a, uh, had to go for her annual blood draw this past week. She called, I don't know, it used to be you could go to the doctor, they'd just draw the blood there and do it, but Cleveland Clinic has made it so much simpler and more effective by requiring all these steps to go through the process. And she'd called several times. Did I say that out loud? Sorry, take that off the tape, would you? Um, they... She called three or four times. Yeah, we've, we sent the script. We sent the script. She goes to Quest to get her blood draw on Friday. No script. So she had, a, she had a grievance, a legitimate gripe, right? She was owed something that they didn't do. There was something she expected. She had a legitimate grievance. But, sometime, but, but sometimes grievances aren't, aren't legitimate. Not all grievances are bad. But it sure seems to me today like everybody... Maybe this is just me, but it seems to me like today everybody has a grievance. Everybody's got someone to blame. Everyone feels like they're owed something. We've become a nation of entitled complainers. Like the world, whatever that means, right? And we don't actually stop to think what that means. Like the world somehow owes us something. That there's some massive injustice being done by who knows who, right? The machine, the patriarchy, some stupid concept that doesn't even exist. That there's some massive injustice being visited upon us, that we've got a grievance. That might be true, it might not be true, but let me make one point perfectly clear. You cannot have a grievance against God. 
You cannot, I'll show you why, you cannot have a grievance against God. Sure, you can complain. The psalmist complains to God, Lord, why me? But you can't demand from God, from something from God. You cannot have a grievance against God. Why? Here's why. Because God doesn't owe us, listen, God does not owe us anything. Sure, maybe the, the doctor didn't owe Kathy a script. He didn't get, that's legit. But friends, you can't have a grievance against God like the Israelites have here, the Hebrews, because God does not owe them or us anything at all. Let me give you an example. My, I have a friend of mine, I won't tell you his name, um, but I've known him since high school. And he is to this day a bitter, angry person. I'm not even sure he could tell you why, but... I know his father wouldn't pay for college when he was going. Everybody else was leaving high school, going to college. He didn't have the money to do it. He could have gotten a loan, but he was too lazy to do it. And he didn't motivate himself to go, so he kind of, he didn't go to college. Okay, fine, nothing wrong with that. He's a tradesman. That's a good thing. But he resents it. He's got a grievance. And the weird part is he's got a wife and children and a house to live in. He's got everything he needs, but he still feels like he's got the short end of the stick. He still has a grievance. He's still angry. At who exactly? Well, really, if you dig down, he's angry at God. Why me? Why'd this happen to me? This isn't fair. How miserable is that? And I know the guy, and he's, he's, a, he's a miserable, and he's miserable to be around sometimes. You know anybody like that who's got a grievance? who just has a complaint to make about everything and everyone. You know, the, the real complaint, the real grievance there is against God. And it's sad. And it's, it's sad and it gets you nowhere. So the, what's the solution to this bitterness and this resentment and this grievance? Well, the first thing, and we've got to look at this in a little more detail. The first thing you've got to, if you want to follow the biblical way of not having a grievous, grumbling heart, the first thing you need to realize is that God does not owe us, does not owe you anything. Yes, he promises us stuff, and yes, he gives it to us, but he doesn't owe us. And if that's true, that God does not owe us anything, that God owes us nothing, he's the creator of the universe, he is the uncaused cause, everything flows from him. If he owes you and I nothing, listen. That means that everything he gives us is gift. Here's the hook. If you realize that God owes you nothing, you also realize that everything you have is a gift. That everything we have, we did not earn, we did not deserve. Think about the last time you put breath in your own lungs. Think about the last time you created a human being. I don't mean, I don't mean through sexual union, I mean created a human soul. You can't. Everything we have, everything we have is a gift. Everything we have, we do not deserve and did not earn. It is a gift from God. The Greek word for that is the word charis. And we translate it in English as the word grace, which means something we don't deserve and did not earn, but God gives it to us anyway. As a Christian, one of the most important, one of the things that distinguishes actually Christianity from our culture is that we, have, we live lives of gratitude. We get it that everything we have comes from God. The culture wants to have grievances against, you know, fill in the blank. 
But the church is, we Christians say, no, no, you know what? Actually, you know what? Everything I have, God has given to me. Even my life, my family, my children, my job, my career, everything. The fact that I woke up this morning is a gift. One of the most important things you can train your mind to accept is that all life is a gift. Everything you have is a gift. So let me, let me challenge you on this, and I'm going to move on to my final point. Where are you on that spectrum? Where are you on that spectrum? Do you believe that you don't get what you deserve? Or do you believe that you get what you don't deserve? In other words, do you look at the world with a grievance and a chip? Or do you look at the world with gratitude? It's your choice. So we see grumbling. We see gossip. We see spreading around by those who, by those who are complaining. We see grievances the harbor, the things we think we deserve that we, did, we do not get, and it makes us angry and resentful. And then finally, we see God's solution to the problem. We see God's invitation. Listen, God, we see grumbling, grievance, and we see God's invitation to gratitude. Watch this. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, even though they're doing it behind closed doors and through text messages, you know, God sees this. He is God. He sees everything. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. That's amazing that God hears the grumbling and doesn't smite them, doesn't blow them, doesn't blow them away. He says, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them this, at night you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall have bread. Remember the original murmuring? And this is so funny, this, this, uh, how God always gets the last laugh. Remember the original murmuring of the Hebrews, the, the gossip? Oh, remember when we had meat pots and bread in Egypt, which they didn't actually have. But now, actually, God does exactly that. He gives them meat, quail, that fall out of the sky, and he gives them bread, this manna, this, this substance which appears on the ground that they can eat. God actually gives them what they remember is happening in Egypt, which didn't happen, and he gives it to them now in the wilderness. God rains down quail and gives them manna, his bread from heaven that appears on the ground every morning. God gives them what they ask for. He hears their complaining. He hears their murmuring. And he gives them bread and he gives them meat. He sustains them in a place where they can't sustain themselves. And friends, this is my point. Again, God owes us nothing, but gives us everything. He owes us nothing, but it gives us everything. And that's important because when you get your mind around that, that means everything is a gift and you can live a life of gratitude even when you don't get what you want. You can live a life of gratitude even when, the light, when life is hard. Did you notice something? It, we didn't get into it too much in the text today, but this manna, this bread from heaven, God rain, gives it every day. And he can he only, every day, he gives new bread. Every day, he gives them bread. Except for right before the Sabbath, he gives them two days on the ground so they can keep the Sabbath the next day. But after one day, this stuff rots. They smell it like, woof, this stuff's terrible, right? Get me. The, here's the thing, though. God is showing them, look, you've got to trust me, and every day I'll provide for you. Every day I'll give you your daily bread. You know, Jesus... Jesus only taught one prayer. He's probably the only religious leader in history that only had one prayer that he taught, right? And he says in it, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. 
In other words, make our hearts so thankful for the things we get we don't deserve. Give up, teach us to rely upon you every day, daily. If you do that, you will become a gra- grateful person, a thankful person. Because God invites us to a spirit of gratitude to see that while he owes us nothing, he gives us everything daily. James says in chapter 1, verse 7, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. See, friends, the way to conquer a grievance, the way to live a happy life, frankly, is through gratitude. To thank God for your daily bread and to thank, your God, thank God for your daily bread daily. I had a, my spiritual director in seminaries, he was Father Don Gross. He was both a psychologist and an exorcist, and he was my spiritual director, so you figure that one out. Uh, but he, he's dead now, but he was an amazing man. He was hugely influential on me. And he said to me once, he said, you know, I want, I want you to do this for me. I said, okay, what? He says, every time you pray, I want you to start your prayer with the following words. Lord, we thank you for this day. I do it now out of habit. But I, he said, I want you to do that. I thank you. You know, you can, whenever, whatever you want to pray after that's fine. But start every prayer with, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. To thank God for his daily blessings. To train our minds to see his blessings all around us. And to give us thankful and grateful hearts. Look, if you want to move, if you want to move from grumbling and grievance to gratitude, and we all do, that's how you do it to be grateful to God who gives us what we need when we need it. Here's, a, here's some homework for you today. Here's some homework for you. This is, this is real. I want you to think today about where God is blessing you now. Yeah, you can, I'm sure the complaints are easy to think of, and I'm sure the grievances and the things that, which bother you are easy to think of. Okay, fine. But I want, to, I want you to counter that with how God has blessed you today. I was counseling a, a person several years ago. They'd lost one of their parents. I'm being deliberately vague here. Um, they lost one of their parents, and they said to me, it was, it was really traumatic for them. And they said, uh, I, what am I going to do? I, you know, I can't believe this has happened. And, you know, when you lose someone you love deeply, I've lost my own father. You've been there, many of you. It's, trauma- it's traumatic. And I said, person, I hear you. Yes, grieve the loss. But let me challenge you to do this. And they said, what? I said, Thank God that you knew that person in the first place. It changed, and that, I, that was it. And then later on, that person told my wife that those words, which I got from Father Gross, they changed everything. So here's my challenge. Even though we do have things we complain about, and they're real grievances, real complaints, I want you to think about something to be thankful for every day. Because a grateful heart is a happy heart. A grateful heart is a heart that realizes that God owes us nothing. Everything is a gift. That we come to a God who loves us, who loves you, and most importantly, he wants you to learn to trust him. You know, the meaning of, people say, what is the meaning of life? The philosophers have worried about this for centuries. Do you want to know what the meaning of life is, the point of life is? It's simple. Become a Christian and be saved. And secondly, once you've done that, learn to trust him. That's the meaning of life. That's the purpose of life. So let me challenge you to be grateful today, even in the midst of struggle, to remember that God loves you, that he wants you to learn, most importantly, to trust him. 
Shall we pray? Father, we remind us today that you hear our mumblings. You hear our grievances. You hear our complaints. When things go wrong, when we struggle, help us remember, Lord, that you owe us nothing. Everything you give us is gift, and you give it to us lavishly because you love us. Help us transform our grievances into gratitude by recognizing your provision in everything we do, by seeing our daily bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.